We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Well, see, that's complicated. Because when I first met Scotty, he was in a bad place. And I'm not talking about Cell Black D. His wife had just filed for divorce. And I was like, damn, homie, she dumped him when you're on lockup. And he was like, yeah, I know. I thought I was going to be with her forever. But now I'm all alone. And I was like, damn, homie, you know what? You got to chin up because you'll find a new partner. But you know what? I'm Luis. And he says, you know what? I'm Scotty. And we're going to be best friends. Okay, hold on, hold on. I like a good story as much as the next person, but what in the hell does this have to do with where Scott Lang is? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You put a dime in him, you got to let the whole song play out. He's like human jukebox. Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Luis. With a PG-13. And we are back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking. By my side, as always, is our chief engineer, Bob. And as you've probably guessed from listening to past episodes... In our orbital spy satellite circling Planet 8 is our reconnaissance officer, Karen. I'd like to welcome you all back. Today's mission takes us to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I want to let you guys know straight away, I'm always the last one to tell you there's going to be spoiler alert. But this podcast is going to have a lot of spoilers. So if you have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, You want to go ahead and turn on one of our other, or listen to one of our other podcasts until you catch up. Uh, That being said, I thought this was a fun summer popcorn movie. Um, You know, was it as much fun as Ant-Man? I thought so. I thought they took it in a different direction. You never want to have someone rehash uh, what they did the first time around. Uh, what did you guys think, you, you, Bob? Karen, did you have well, some? Uh, you know, I really liked it. I thought, you know, if there was any drawback at all, it might be that the villain, whoever the villain was, <laughs> wasn't quite as strong as some of the other Marvel movies. I mean, you've got the ghost, but was she really a villain? She was trying to help herself out, but she's not trying to take over the world or anything. Yeah, but you, you had the, the Texas guy that was really the, the scummy uh, villain. It yeah, kind of reminded me Sonny of... Sonny uh, Birch. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he was probably the biggest pain in the ass, but is that... Was he, he necessarily was a, a villain, though? He was a bad guy. Yeah, I, I, I think at one point... And Walker, what was the name of uh, the arms dealer in, in Iron Man 2? Hammer? Justin Hammer. Oh, Justin Hammer. Hammer, yeah. yeah. Similar type of guy. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was similar, and I, I think he would have. An opportunist. I think he would have kidnapped the kid and held the kid hostage or done worse. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lawrence Fishburne's character said, "No, I'm out. If you do that, we're not we're not going to go to this party." Well, Lawrence Fishburne walked a uh, fine line, I think, and uh, I thought it was cool that he played Bill Foster and Goliath mm-hmm. and all that. I was kind of hoping he would suit up at some point, but. Maybe number three. Maybe number three. Maybe number three. <laughs> That's right. That's true. He's still around, right? He's still around. But, um, yeah, I mean, well, you guys know the whole history of Hank Pym and Scott Lang and Bill yes. Foster and all that. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if we want to go over any of that um, for listeners who may, might not know. Or maybe they watched the movie and said, who, you know, 
Yeah. Who's, Who's this Goliath guy? <laughs> yeah. But obviously, I think they did explain the fact that Hank Pym is the original Ant-Man. He was kind of always had like an inferiority complex. So he was always trying to come up with new identities and new powers. And uh, so at one point he was Giant Man. Mm-hmm. Another point he was Yellow Jacket, who was actually semi-villain in the first movie. And uh, Scott Lang took over as, as Ant-Man. Bill Foster, he took over the, the Giant Man persona and then renamed himself Goliath. Right, right. And was actually killed off in Civil War, right? Yes, that was stupid. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> in a comic, in the anyway. mid-70s, he was a yellow cab driver as well, but that's oh, a whole other <laughs> podcast. Uh, what did you think, Karen? Oh, overall, I really enjoyed this film. I, You know, it, it's... It, it's what it it needs to be. It, it's a pretty much lighthearted, fun fair. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Paul Rudd is is really great at sort of balancing um, goofiness and sincerity. You know, he he's got great comedic timing, so he pulls off a lot of these these jokes really well. But then he does these great scenes with uh, his daughter. You know, yeah. where where he's a, a great dad. Um, so I, I thought he, uh, and he's certainly not an actor I really cared about before Ant-Man. So, um, you know, my hat's off to him. Um, I, I think the thing about this movie and, and you can complain about the villains, but I didn't really see, I think the villains were all just impediments to the goal of the, the characters, which was recovering, uh, Janet from, uh, the quantum realm, you know, so they're they're trying to race the clock basically, and you've got all these people who want to uh, steal the uh, well, steal the lab, yeah, you know that they're able to shrink down to, to suitcase size. Basically. That was cool. I like that. And and yeah, all the shenanigans that result <laughs> from their ability to shrink buildings and cars and and then also grow things. I, I mean, the sight gags alone are um, terrific in the movie and that I really enjoyed all that but yeah Ghost is, seems like more of a victim and then uh, you know the FBI guys mostly seem clueless and <laughs> yeah. uh, and then yeah the, but it worked uh, you know it, it, to it, me it, it really works. worked yeah because they're you know they're trying to beat the clock and then the whole time Scott is trying not to get caught so he can uh, you know have a life of freedom with his family. So I thought they did, you know, they fused all those elements together really well. And it was, it was a lot of fun and, and, uh, had humor and heart and everything all in the right, right doses. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, you know, especially coming off of infinity war, which walk out of there needing, you know, psychotherapy. So I, I was going to say it was so much lighter and, and fun to watch, even though there were some, you know, there's some jeopardy, uh, uh, than Infinity War. And I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing Infinity War. You know, it, it's probably the uh, uh, crown jewel in the Marvel uh, franchise right now. Um, but yeah, this was this was good. I love Luis. Uh, I, I give the actors credit when they all played a piece of uh, Luis's dialogue when he's explaining uh, what they were saying and stuff. I mean, they all pulled it off great. Um, well, he he did that quite a bit in the first film yeah and it was like mm-hmm. suddenly he got the truth serum that wasn't truth serum but really was truth serum <laughs> um, and then yeah that just opened him up to just go for it basically right. yeah and the strange segues and Morrissey and 
the Mexican restaurant, and it, it, it's, it was uh, it was great because the villains are like, "No, you get down to the point," and his friends are all like, "Oh, you're going to have to sit through this because yeah. <laughs> this is this is how it works." And, you opened them up. Now you got it. <laughs> and you know, I love the fact that it took place in San Francisco, and uh, yes. it's fun. You know, hey, just because I know San Francisco very well, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, they used the locales really well. The hills during the chase and yeah. the, the harbor and everything else. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. And watching the movie, you don't really know when this is taking place in relation to Infinity War. Yeah. Until. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. The uh, mid credit sequence, and then you see, okay, this is happening. Right. While they're doing all of this in San Francisco, yeah. the Avengers are off fighting Thanos, and mm-hmm. that whole thing is taking place. So it pretty right. much was simultaneous. And they did mention in Infinity War that Scott Lang or Ant Man was under house arrest, I believe. House arrest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that kind of brings it all. Definitely brings it all together. It's still a question of where Hawkeye is or was, but um, but now when at the end, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, when. Uh, Scott does go into the quantum realm and he's getting all the healing particles and all that. They do say something about try not to get sucked into a time portal or a time yes. something. Which I'm thinking is going to be key because I have heard that Ant-Man will be a key in the next Avengers film as far as solving this thing or bringing people back or whatever is going to happen. So, you know, maybe his way out of there is going into a time portal or whatever and coming out somewhere else. Who knows? Well, I think um, this is interesting. It's kind of funny how we cut right to the chase here um, <laughs> as far as going right to the, the, the last part. I, but I think that's kind of what everybody's wondering about. And uh, one of the questions uh, talking to my uh my spouse, he and I both wondered how much time will have passed between Infinity War and Avengers 4. Now, you could think, oh, maybe they'll pick it up right away, but what if, you know, say Tony Stark comes back to Earth and we see him spending, who knows, months or more trying to find some way to reverse what Thanos did? You know, he could be working and trying to figure out some way to reverse all those deaths. Uh, We know Hank Pym had worked with S.H.I.E.L.D. for many years. Tony knows that his father was a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. He could be going through notes. He could be discovering, you know, oh, all this stuff about, you know, the the Pym particles, the quantum realm or something. I mean, obviously Ant-Man's going to play a part, so it's just a question of, like, yeah, does he somehow escape? Does somebody go into the quantum realm and find him? What... You know, how does that work? And, yeah, he was warned right before he went in about, I don't know if it was time portals, time rifts, but time something. Time something or other, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very curious, you know, how how is this going to shape up um, as far as it seems like the quantum realm will be the key to resolving or at least part of the key to resolving the the problem the problem right right and, and you know the the next film we were talking about this uh offline before is going to be captain marvel and you guys said that's coming out in march of 2019 right. and so thus far with infinity war and ant-man we've kind of had linear time 
you know, things happening at the same time, and then boom, at the end of Ant-Man, we see, you know, the effects of the Infinity uh, aftermath with, uh, you know, uh, those guys disappearing and stuff. Uh, Captain Marvel is going to take place in the... In the 90s. 90s. Yeah. Okay, and I was reading something where they're going to CGI Sam Jackson and and the rest of uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys to make them look younger, which, by the way, I thought they did a great job with Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Kirk Douglas. Michael Douglas. uh, Michael Douglas, (laughs) yes. They would have done an amazing (laughs) job with Kirk Douglas. (laughs) Uh, um, You know, and and prior to that, it was... uh, um, Well, Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah in, from uh, Civil War. Yeah, Civil War. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that was they took Robert Downey Jr. and put him back into uh, that was impressive. So, so moving forward in March, we'll we'll get the next piece of this Infinity War puzzle, but it's gonna it's gonna go back in time. So to I the nineties. But then I I thought I read that the next in the next Avengers movie was gonna do a time jump, a fairly significant time jump. Like a few years after, you know, I, I what happened? In I don't know. I I, I kind of go back and forth on how much information do I want to know about what's coming up, and how much of it is hearsay, and how much of it is. So I just kind of. Uh, you're on a podcast now, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, until it you happens, gotta, you're going to hear everything. <laughs> well, right, and and I guess. You know, moving forward, we'll take notes because how much of what they thought was going to happen in Infinity War took place. You know, there's a lot of speculation mm-hmm. going into these sure. films, um, which is fine. I mean, one of the things that that keeps me away from, uh, or trying to keep away from spoilers, when Episode One was going to come out, and nobody knew Episode One was going to be, uh, you know, uh, fantastic, the Second Coming, or a Poo Poo Burger mm-hmm. Supreme, and so. Uh, we're all getting our tickets, we're all getting our t-shirts and getting ready to stand in line. And yes, it's going to be Star Wars all over again. And uh, it's going to be exciting. And I buy the soundtrack to episode one <laughs> a week before the movie. And Walker knows this story. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm putting it in the stereo and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, Star Wars, you know, episode one. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, the Temple of the Jedi. I'm like, my God, we're going to see a Jedi temple. And I go through the thing, and it's like Qui-Gon's death. I'm like, Qui-Gon's death? (laughs) So throughout the whole movie, I'm sitting there waiting for Qui-Gon to pass away. So now I, I, you know, if I buy an action figure, I don't want to read the back panel. I stay away from the magazines. Facebook page, I'll try to, like, skim through stuff. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on now. Who's coming back? Who's not going to come back? How are they going to come back? Will it be this? Will it be that? Yeah, see, a lot of that I think is speculation by fans. I mean, or writers or whatever. It's not, you know, the producers of the films aren't coming out and saying this person's going to die. Will it take place ten years in the future? Will it take yeah. place ten years in the past? Will it? I, I don't know. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a good story because one of the best stories that I you know saw on television was the old or the revamped Battlestar Galactica when they ended season two or season three and. The new season starts, and they jump ahead a year. And then that mm-hmm. season is them kind of going back and forth in, in what happened during that year while they were on that planet occupied by Cylons. So it can be done. It can be done really good. But, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. When does Infinity War 2 come out? 
May. Like May, May of next year. May. So March, April, May. Wow, they're just churning these things out. Hey, they want to do. Uh, I think they want to do like four a year now. Jeez. So they'll have like a Marvel movie probably like every three months. Well, let's see. One of their movies might turn up like a solo and just kind of throw a wrench in the <laughs> in oh the my. Marvel movies. I know. I still can't figure out why people didn't like Solo. But anyway, we already covered that. In a, yeah, in a there's prior there's podcast, about 500 so. podcasts out there that keep covering why Solo didn't <laughs> do very well. So you mean there are we'll, other podcasts besides Planet Eight? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Um. Anyway, one of the things too that I was kind of like, you know, there you're kind of waiting when uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was her uh, uh, character's name, Karen, Janet, Janet, yeah. I thought she was going to turn out to be like a villain or something, or, or like, you know, a microverse uh, Dormammu or, or something. Because how could she survive 30 years? What did she eat? Where did she poop? Well, what did I don't she drink? Think it, it doesn't hold up to a, a lot of uh, uh, inspection. I mean, and it's sort of strange. She comes out with like this scarf on and other stuff. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't see like. I it felt like your brother, Karen. When I when I, I, I pulled a Stevie, I'm like, oh no, it's yes, the we core. Won't, we won't talk about. I was going to say the core. We won't talk about our our time watching the core. You were uh, you were unlucky enough to be sitting between an engineer and a scientist, and let's just leave it at that. It changed um, my life, not in a good way. No, well, just I mean Janet Van. I mean, she even said <clears throat> that she's not the same person she was. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking she's going to be a big bat, these powers, you know, too. right. So. It's like, well, apparently these powers didn't hold because they had to send um, him back in to get this healing particle. Well, I mean, she still has powers. So maybe those powers involve not having to eat or poop or whatever. It's like, well, I, she's evolved beyond that. To what? Mutated? Those petty things right. that we do. <laughs> you know what? I will say that I really love... Both in this movie and the, the first Ant Man, I really love all the scenes inside the subatomic and quantum yeah. realms. They're they're so cool. I love that they had Hank Pym use a ship this time because it it was like he was a, an astronaut or explorer, and it it reminded me a lot of the old um, like Stanley Jack Kirby Fantastic Fours where they would go mm. in the negative zone and explore, and they would run into beings like Annihilus and. Um, I thought that was very, very right. cool. I, I enjoyed those visuals. But yeah, it was other than those giant tardigrade creatures, there didn't seem to be a lot of other um, beings running around to interact with. That was kind and of if, a nice thing, too, with the tardigrades because of the whole mycelial uh, network story going on in Star Trek Discovery. I'm like, hey, I know those things. I know. I wondered if that was sort of a tip of the hat to Discovery. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's the only two times I've ever seen them or heard of them in in, in genre films or shows. You also kind of wonder, like, well, if time and space don't operate the same way in the quantum realm, why did she age? I don't know, twenty years, whatever, however many years, thirty years, but. Yeah. We'll let that one go, too, because we're trying to enjoy ourselves. Well, unless when she got married to him, she was a cougar already, and so it just kind of... <laughs> I could be. You know. But um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, didn't they say Hawkeye was going to play a pivotal role in, in the next film as well? I thought Hawkeye and Ant-Man were. Yeah. And I think, you know, the whole thing about not going into the time portal or whatever, time zone, whatever, that's got to be a key. 
You know, because I know there's probably time travel involved in the next Avengers movie because they have scenes of uh, Chris Evans in his old Captain yeah. America suit from the yes. first Avengers, yeah. and supposedly uh, Quicksilver's in there, and uh, there's quite a few other things going where I think they're going to be going back to that original battle. They're probably going back to collect stones before Thanos gets them, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely set scenes where you. You can see uh, Stark, but Stark mm-hmm. dressed like he was in Infinity War with uh, Ant-Man uh, and Captain America, but Captain America, like looked, he looked like an Avengers in that terrible Avengers Captain America suit. Yeah. Um, so That was know. the Agent Coulson approved uh, Captain America Oh, suit. Coulson, Coulson, what were you thinking? <laughs> um, I am disappointed... I'm disappointed that Wasp didn't survive the uh, snapping because uh, I was hoping we would get to see more of her in Avengers 4. I, I did really enjoy her in this film in the sense that I liked her action sequences a lot. I thought she had a really, um, you know, dynamic way of fighting and, and that she was exciting and everything. The only My only complaint, I guess, about... Wasp is sort of my general complaint about Marvel um, heroines so far is that they're they're all so serious all the time. We don't have any, you know, Marvel uh, female heroes who can just kind of relax and joke around. They're all pretty much very, you know, we're business, we're tough, and we're just, you know, we'll see how Captain Marvel is. But I kind of suspect mm. being an Air Force pilot, she's going to be very similar Right. Well, um, however, I mean, I think Captain Marvel is basically going to be Marvel's answer to Wonder Woman. In, in that they're trying to introduce a strong female character to the Marvel Universe other than Black Widow. But, you know, we'll see. Because she's going to be, you know, she's going to be a key. I think between her and Spider-Man, they're going to be carrying the next phase of the Marvel Universe. So, uh, Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. Yes, I think T'Challa... Well, uh, him too. It's going to be a, a, I mean, you know, just the box office that they did with the Black Panther. I can't imagine him not being a pivotal character uh, moving forward. Perhaps maybe one of the new leaders in the Avengers. Um, you know, what struck me too, um, and I don't even, I don't even recall if we discussed this in our Infinity War podcast, but the founding members of the Avengers survived the, the Thanos sweep, right. the disintegration. T'Challa, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Poof. Except um, for Rocket. Except for Rocket. Um, Ant-Man, he didn't poof away, but was it because he was in the quantum realm and somehow was protected from this? disintegration sweep or something because you you know Walker you said wasp she you know you regretted she disappeared like that well when Thanos snapped his fingers half the universe disappeared and the universe did so, not cons- uh, well half of life anyway and the universe disappeared so you've got does the microverse is it part of the universe that or it could just be that he was in the half that survived yeah or which yeah. universe I mean is there you know earth <clears throat> yeah. one earth two just, just you know, something to think about. I don't know. Yeah. I don't expect it's, you to. It's a good. It's a good question because it's like, was he outside the realm 
of existence or the plane of existence that Thanos Had was affecting. Effect, right. It'll be interesting to see uh, moving forward. You know, just like the the existence inside the Infinity uh, Stone or the uh, Soul Stone. The Soul Stone. Yeah, where there is a version of uh, Gamora that that exists in there that he can actually converse. Uh, you know, what did it cost? Everything. And yet, you know, he can still talk to her. Or is Thanos imagining that when he goes inside the stone? I don't know. I don't know. Is it is she real or is she his guilt personified? Right, right. Um, moving forward now, we know the uh, Spider-Man film has gotten its title. You guys, have you heard that? Far, far away. From home. Oh, far from far, home. Yeah. Far from home. Um, and when is Spider-Man coming out? Do we know? Is that like two years away? No, that will no, be that will July. be the next movie after Avengers. Wow, these, these, they're yeah. really it's, turning it's, these things right. out. They're so just, it'll be later. It'll be later it. next year. Yeah, no wonder. Uh, it's going to be like March, May, and July. So. You're going to be bouncing back into the theater over and over again. Man, we're going to be recording a lot of podcasts next year, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll see what the title for the Infinity War is going to be. I know. I heard some some rumor that it would be Endgame, but I don't know if I, if everybody picked up on Karen's comment a few podcasts ago. And I really owe that to my husband, and I realized he had mentioned that, and then I had said right. it in the podcast, so I need to credit him. Because one rumor so. that I guess turned out to be false was that it was going at the end of Ant-Man, it was going to say, Ant-Man and the Wasp will return in Avengers Blah. Endgame, or whatever they're going right. to call it. Mm-hmm. And that's where they would reveal the title, but obviously not. So they're probably not going to reveal it until captain marvel right i would think well what we got at the end of ant-man and wasp was they will question return mark. no will question uh, mark. ant-man and, re- and wasp will return with a question mark. question mark yeah. with an ant playing drums yeah, to, yeah. to oh, cue them too. out so, yeah uh, one of the things my fiance was asking i told these guys uh, before we started recording she looks to me at the end of ant-man and says why doesn't he just push the button and make himself big again like he did in the first film and I looked at her and I'm like, well, because he, he, he's, he's deep into the... And then I looked at her and I said, that's a good question. Why doesn't he just like reverse the whatever polarity and zoom himself back? Uh, I don't know. Do any of you know? If you do, please comment he still on might. our blog spot. Still yeah, might. he still might. <laughs> I mean, we basically it just had him realize that they're not there and then it cut. Yeah. So the next thing he does could be fiddle with this thing and come back. Who knows? But no, I thought... I really enjoyed that. That was one of the better, I think, end credit scenes. Just because it did... Him getting stuck in the... Yeah, well, it did suddenly... A, it was a surprise. Uh-huh. B, it tied the two films together. And C, it suddenly made you realize exactly what the timeline was that Ant-Man and Wasp was taking place in. I was like, okay, it was happening simultaneous to Infinity yeah. Wars. Yeah, that's true. Which is why he, yeah. they were not in it. Good and point. Uh, and they did talk about civil war quite a bit. They did. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, it really kind of tied. It's kind of nice now that the Marvel movies are all getting tied in together like that, like they're just one big huge story or universe right. or whatever. But a big uh, stew. Yeah. It'll be interesting too uh, now that the Fox Disney merger is just about done. Uh, what's going to happen? I know we were talking before, and you're saying, well. No, no, no. It was a comment on Facebook that although they'll get the X-Men, they might not get the Fantastic Four because 
some company. It's owned, it's owned by some them. company out in Germany or somewhere, and it's like... So, basically, Fox was not making the Fantastic Four movies. They were just distributing them. Uh. So um, they held the rights for dis- for distribution, mm. which those rights, I would assume, would go over to Disney. But you still got this company over it. Now, who's to say that Disney won't just reach out its huge arm and suck that company up and oh, say, yeah. okay, you know. That seems highly likely. Stand aside, we're taking this over. But it's, uh, I, I hate to be blasphemous, but one of the parts that I liked in... Uh, in the Justice League was at the end when when Clark's like you know thank you Bruce for buying back the Kent farm and it's like how'd you do it he said, well you know I, I bought the bank <laughs> so that's basically Disney's gonna buy the world um, so we'll we'll see what happens I mean who knows they may uh, they may actually bring in Roger Corman to do a treatment on the Fantastic Four give him a second chance <laughs> oh oh dear God. Uh, well, well, hey, why know. not? Quentin Tarantino's doing Star Trek, so anything yeah, is possible. Isn't that, I, yeah. I, I was just like, you know, he came up with yeah. the concept of taking a, a classic Trek episode and just blowing it up. Well, what does that mean? Uh, you know. <laughs> well, didn't they do that with Wrath of Khan? Well, they continued it. They didn't re. Right, uh, but you know, still, it's like. So you know. what he's saying is, you know, take. Uh, I don't trouble know. with trouble. Trouble Piece with trouble. I hope it's yeah, yeah. I, I, Spock's brain. I just I oh, have yeah, you know, we'll a see. lot of trepidation about this. I am not too cool about this. Well, <laughs> I think a lot of people share that. Now, I, I will say that when the original Star Trek movie was was announced, and we're going way off the ranch now, but uh, real real quickly, uh, Kieran and I were having a discussion, and there was a lot of concern in fandom that J.J. Abrams was a big Star Wars fan and there's going to be this Death Star in Star Trek. And by God, there better not be a Death Star in a Star Trek movie. And then the Star Trek movie came out and although it's not as beloved and good as the actual television show that we watched as children, the Star Trek film I thought was a pretty good film and even though it had a huge kind of, you know, ship, it was a good movie. It wasn't as bad and a lot of the fans were like wiping away sweat thinking, whew, Okay, that was a good film. So much so that they made three more to... But no Death Star. No Death Star. However, if you watch, uh, you probably have to like take the Blu-ray and freeze frame. I believe it's when uh, Kirk's father's ship blows up. The Kelvin. And you see all the debris flying by the window. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, if you look really close at some of that debris, amongst all that debris is R2-D2. I heard that. I, 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 so I, I you have to uh, or deny. You, yeah, I cannot either. But I have not like watched it and watched for it or free, yeah. freeze framed or gone through it slowly and tried it's to like find it. Like the ETs it, were part of the the Senate in uh, episode one. There's a yeah. one or three. You actually look into the crowd and there's some ETs clapping. Part of the Galactic Senate. Um, hey, everything's connected in one way or another. In one way or another. So. Um, any final thoughts, any final comments on Ant-Man and Wasp? Hopes, fears, uh, moving forward, we, uh, four films next year or just three? Uh, I've only heard three. Walker? Um, I think it's just three that I know of, which is, yeah, Captain Marvel, Avengers 4, and 
Spider-Man 2. Now, it's kind of odd because didn't the Hulk versus Thor come out like in November? Ragnarok, yeah, I think it came out right? in November. I thought that was kind well, of cool. I mean, cool. you, you like think they have to have something summer. for the holiday season or the, you know. They got nothing this year. I mean, that's it, right? You're July and is there anything this year? Because there's no Star Wars from this Marvel. year and there's no Marvel. No, Star Wars is... Uh, you know, what's, yeah. what's the big movie for the holiday season? Disney's Nutcracker and the Four uh, Realms. Oh my god! <laughs> Some Harry Potter thing. Well, they they've got to be careful because they now that they've got both Star Wars and Marvel and God knows what else they'll get their hands on. You don't want to compete too much against each other you know it's like your audience a lot of them only have so much money to spend right so you know you you don't want to have people having to make those decisions about well are we going to go see the star wars movie or are we going to because i honestly think i think there are a lot of factors that hurt solo but i do think the fact that it came out at a time when we still had, you know, we had uh, Infinity War, and then we got things like Deadpool two, and gosh, what else did we have coming out at the same time? We had we had a lot of movies. Uh, oh, we had the uh, the uh, Jurassic World movies. So we had a lot of stuff coming out, and people, you know, who are on more of a budget than crazy people like us, wow. uh, you know, they got to make a decision, and and also the fact that everything comes out on. Well, you know, uh, streaming pretty right. quickly after. Well, yeah. well we're on a premieres. budget, but it's flexible. Well, I, I have Movie Pass, so uh, you pay ten bucks a month and you go see as many movies as you want, um, and that actually helps a lot. So, so I'm not trying to. I am in no way affiliated or, or work for Movie Pass, but if you guys want to go see a movie a day, thirty days. Every month, uh, movie passes the way to go. But then, but then you have long often. stretches where there's nothing. <laughs> well, I, I, that's the thing. I, I doubt anyone's going to go see 30 movies a month. I mean, theoretically, I guess you could, but you'd be seeing like... 30 movies in like September, October. Yeah, I mean, you go to like Century 25. Not that I am affiliated with Century 25 in any way, shape, or form. But they got 25 screens, and some of them are doubling up. But you got like Hindu films. You have, you know, different... Anyway, the point oh, is, man, I'm there. for nine ninety nine, you can see a movie a month if you want, and save yourself three dollars on a movie ticket. Anyway, we that need to get said, those guys to to, to sponsor uh, this our thing, podcast. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know we gave them a whole five minutes. I know you, you did that so well too. <laughs> anyway, um, so Ant Man was to wrap it up. I guess, I guess we all liked it. Thumbs up. Thumbs yes. up. Thumbs up. Looking right. forward to Ant Man Wasp three. And sure. I and I gotta say, you know, this is probably the last summer movie we're gonna talk about. So after this This year. Anything goes. And, so and that is future podcasts will be varied and unique. I, I was thinking about that, but that's for those who listen to these in chronological order. If this is the first Planet Eight podcast you're listening to that's okay. You can go back and listen to the other four or five, but for those of you that have been with us since the start, what Bob said. That's right. Onward and upward. Onward and upward. You you wonderful people who have hung through 
all of these summer movie reviews. Yes. God bless you. Yes, because up to now it's been almost all summer. Not that we don't like these summer movies, but there's so much more that's coming your way. We're so excited um, moving forward, and, and we're not going to. We're, we're very good on spoiling things, but we're not going to spoil uh, too much on future episodes. Hey, look, ladies and gentlemen, cats and jammers, kids of all ages, uh, it is now time for our sensor sweep. And this is the part of the show where we bring your attention to the latest and greatest products and or shows in the universe that we have become aware of. And this podcast, our chief engineer, Mr. Bob, will be sharing what came across his attention during uh, during the sensor sweep. Well, basically, it's a book. I think I did a book last time. I'll do another book. So uh, the book is Where Monsters Walked by Gail and Raymond Orwig. And uh, it's published by McFarlane, which means it has a hefty price tag, but it's worth every penny. Gail is a former librarian, and Ray is a teacher. And they spent 15 years tracking down and discovering movie location spots throughout California. And there's been books out about locations and and where movies were shot, but they're usually a general subject. This one, it basically covers horror, sci-fi, fantasy, monster films from 1925 to 1965. So kind of right in the wheelhouse for some of us older people. But for the younger people, it's cool, too, to... uh, Find out, you know, maybe you live in Southern California somewhere and you pick up this book and go, oh, my God, they shot a movie right down the street from my house. <laughs> right. So uh, definitely uh, check it out. And, you know, it's like I say, 1925, 1965, who knows? Maybe they'll do 65 on up. But uh, even though it's 1925 to 1965, um, other films do creep in. So, for example, uh, when they're covering sites for the 1948 film The Amazing Mr. X... They mentioned Point Doom in uh, Malibu, which was also where they shot the end of Planet of the Apes on the beach where Charlton Heston's yelling at the Statue of Liberty and damn you all to hell and all that. And what spoiler year was that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Planet of the what Apes. What year was Poda? You said it was 1925 to 1945. Poda was 19... To 1965. 65. Poda was 1968. Right. So, so it's not really... Technically, it's not covered in this book. But However, they do mention it because it was the same locale I as, like that. Uh, as the beach in uh, The Amazing Mr. X. A plethora so, of information. So there you go. But anyway, um, you can either like sit down and read this book cover to cover, or you can use it, put it in the trunk of your car, and when you're driving around uh, California, you can use it to uh, find sites to go to. Of course, most of the sites are in Southern California because mm. that's where Hollywood is and that's where most of these movies are shot. But there are some that are in Central and even Northern California. For example, The Birds, which was shot in Bodega Bay um, up north of the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. There's also Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was shot in uh, Northern California. So, uh, you know, get the book, read it, save it, pack it in your car, put it in your backpack. And head out on adventure to hidden places and find out where all your old favorite movies were shot. Bob, do you know if there is an electronic version we can throw on our iPads or our tablets? I do not believe there is yet. It would be great to be able to ask them 
if there are plans for that in the future. And maybe uh, we shall. Maybe we shall. Stay tuned. Um, look, uh, they uh, we usually end the show here, but we have a bonus. Yes, bonus. Sensor sweep of sorts. It's not really a sensor sweep, but... Uh, our uh, chief engineer is involved with the Barrier Film events, and I'm going to turn this back over to Bob. Very exciting news coming up uh, for those of you in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Bob. Well, yeah, hopefully you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. If not, hopefully you can get a ticket out here or you can uh, find your way out to California. Check out the book and you can find sites. But while you're out you here, <laughs> um, we are doing on uh, August 25th and 26th at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco, we are doing Godzilla Night. Now, this Godzilla Night is actually the entire weekend. We started Godzilla Night about uh, seven years ago. This is the seventh one we've done. Nice. Uh, the others were in San Leandro. This one, we're moving to San Francisco. And uh, this is where we've had most of our success with movies. So... We're excited to be back there. So we're going to be showing three movies mm-hmm. over the weekend. Same movies on uh, Saturday and on Sunday, so you can go either day. And those would be Shin Godzilla, which is the newest that was the of the Japanese Godzilla films. Last you, year, right, Bob? Yeah, if you don't, uh, if you don't count those uh, animated things on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and so Shin Godzilla will be one of them. Uh, the original Mothra from 1962 oh, okay. will be showing. And also a very rare big screen showing of the Mysterians from 1957. Nice. And uh, that's what should be amazing on the big screen. Now, the reason we're showing Mysterians and Mothra is because we also have the authors of the book, Ishiro Honda, A Life in Film from Godzilla to Kurosawa. Mm. Uh, Ed Gazazeski and uh, Steve Rifle will be there as guests to talk about the book, talk about the movies, sign the book, sell it to you, whatever you want. Uh, if you have it, bring it. They'll still sign it. And we will also have uh, toy dealers, namely uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin D'Antonio and James Osborne, who runs Vinyl Kaiju Legion. And we'll have some three amazing artists. We'll have Lenny Romero. We'll have Nick Shev and Gaz Gretzky. So we've got uh, artists. We've got vendors. You can buy toys. You can buy art. We'll have prizes. And everyone's uh, going to be there Saturday and Sunday, right? Everyone will be there for Saturday and Sunday. You can be there Saturday or and or Sunday. And or Sunday. And uh, basically what we're doing is uh, Shin Godzilla will be on both nights. Okay. On uh, the first day, I believe Mothra is the matinee. And Mysterians is playing with Shin Godzilla at night. Mm -hmm. On Sunday, Mysterians is the matinee and Mothra will be playing with Shin Godzilla uh, at, at the evening. So... Basically, go to BayAreaFilmEvents.com. Check out our, uh, our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BayAreaFilmEvents. And all the information will be there. Also, link to buy tickets. And uh, it'll be a fun time. We always have a great crowd. And, uh, yeah, this one will be no different except bigger, better, and longer. So they're, they're going to have popcorn, they'll have soda, candy, the food around the area. And I believe we're having beer also. Beer also. Oh, beer also. I'm definitely. And we're having food trucks. Oh, nice. Rumor has it we're going to have one food truck there with like Japanese hot dogs, whatever those are. Okay. Um, and there's there are great restaurants in the area. I mean, it's San Francisco, so right. you can always venture out. 
if you don't want to do the food trucks or the popcorn or uh, drink beer at the theater. But uh, it, it'll be a great time. The Balboa is a really cool theater, you know, pretty old and retro and a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, this will conclude our transmission for Planet 8. We'd like to thank you, as always. You are the greatest intergalactic audience, and we appreciate you listening, coming back time after time. Be sure to tell your friends, neighbors, um, and also be, on, uh, be sure to head on over to our website, www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com, where you can get more information on the episode's topics and see pictures of the sensor sweep. Uh, for uh, yeah, you know, you can have additional conversation and comments on there. Also, find us on Twitter at Planet Eight Cast, or over on Facebook at uh, facebook.com Planet Eight Podcast. We look forward to your input and your opinions. They are very valuable to us. And uh, hey, you guys, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Until we meet again, this is Planet Eight signing off. End transmission.